Hi, my name is Ian Parry, and welcome to What the Future, the podcast produced by Future Leaders Mentoring. We have a clear mission to create an inclusive and diverse community that enables individuals to unlock their potential and develop their career. Today, we're chatting with Piers Thurston in one of our special podcast series on leaders' life stories. Hi, Piers. How are you today? I'm really well, in, and I'm really glad to be here. I'm looking forward to this, so thank you. No worries. Um, so obviously, we, we met a number of years ago on a leadership course, um, which which for me was a, was a proper kind of changing moment, um, actually. And, and the, the stuff that, that you taught us as part of that leadership, I think it was best part of a week, actually. Um, three days is usually three, what we oh, do. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it was it was I've certainly taken the things we learned on in my career and, and tried to share it with, with as many people as I came across. So having you on this podcast today talking about your life story is, is going to be really fascinating because, you know, um, I was I was certainly inspired by what you had to say when we when we last met. So I'm really looking forward to this. So um, if I'm sitting back a little bit too much, just listening, you, you'll understand why. Brilliant. Well, it's, it's a pleasure to be here, Ian. And I, you know, because I run my own podcast, it's nice to be on the other side and to be asked some questions. So really looking forward to it. And um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed working with you guys all those years ago. Um, I'm glad it's still resonant for you. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Cool. Okay, so let's, let's kick on then. So um, Piers, tell us a bit about who you are and what your role is today. Yeah, so I'm I'm Piers. I'm uh, I live now in Berkshire. I've got two kids, one eleven and one thirteen, and basically what I do is I work with individuals, uh, teams, and organisations um, in the area that I call quality of mind. And quality of mind is a different, uh, dare I say, it, pioneering, transformative approach to unlock what we call exponential human potential. So it has a very different way of allowing people and organizations to have more of those core foundations, um, creativity, clarity, resilience, connection, purpose, action, inspiration. But it does it from the area of what we describe as before psychology, which no doubt I'll get into, but we, we look at things from before psychology. And that's the point of difference. And that's what opens up people to um, experience all those benefits. Cool. Thank you, Piers. Um, <clears throat> and then going right back to the beginning, sort of little Piers, um, tell, tell me, you know, if you can, what's sort of your earliest memory of, of, of growing up? Well, I'm not quite sure what my earliest actual memory is, but I, if I generally look back to when I was younger, I have memories of being a young child just sitting listening to my dad talking about he, he runs a family business and still okay. does at the age of 82 wow. uh, I'm, I'm a ned on that and I, and I love it but talking about business and everything he spoke about was always about the people aspect okay yeah. um, you know this person's done that how do I help this person do this what's going on there and I remember just thinking these people things are fascinating <laughs> you know and, and me being yeah. a, a human too you know and I used to sometimes lie in bed at night just thinking about what am I almost philosophical now, I look back now and I was I was almost like philosophically thinking well what is the universe what am I what are these people and I just being fascinated by people and humans and what we were so I've got some I think I was probably six or seven and I have 
I was probably a philosopher when I was six or seven. I didn't know it, but yeah. it just it, those kind of questions were always in my mind. I remember I'd reflect on them and then I'd hear how important people were to everything. Yeah. Yes. Wow. I mean, as, as a child, just trying to think back, actually. And, and of course, as, as you know well, your sort of memory of looking back at that point will be affected by how you're feeling right now anyway. So that that's that in itself is is fascinating how you kind of look back at that memory from your current point in time and how you're feeling now affecting that memory. Well, you're absolutely right because when I when because you did send me the questions beforehand and when I saw that question I thought well I don't really care about memories anymore um because they are just the mind's creation in the moment because you can't yeah. really have the past apart from now so whenever we think about the past it's mm. now and then the mind calls it the past so mm. i've sort of made up a construct a narrative to you about my past which in this moment i'm not lying to you you know that is what's occurring to me it's yeah. real but it's not true right so and anything actually in in the past present or future is real and never true i don't know we'll get into that in but so the mem memories now although they're nice things for my mind to fascinate by i don't take them too seriously okay yeah same as my imagination i don't take that too seriously either maybe we'll get into that soon but it's because it it's exactly what you said it's the mind's generation in this moment of a thing it's now calling the past yes yeah and that that that, that i remember when when you were first exploring these concepts with us just kind of being blown away by you know the power of our minds and our thoughts to create that sort of situation. Yeah, and it creates wonderful psychological freedom because if we know that our past <clears throat> is what I describe as real but never true, we can have it, we can experience it, and it might be visceral. I'm not saying people shouldn't have a, a, an emotional or a sentient reaction to the past, but we know it's not what we are. So there's a psychological freedom to our past because sometimes when our apertures are more contracted, our past holds us because we define ourselves by it or we self-identify yeah. with it or it yeah. grips us. But it's, it's just a generation of the mind. Yeah. There's no such thing as the past, really. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think there'll be lots of people listening to this that will, you know, that will really resonate as to, you know, how your past kind of indicates a lot about who you are. Um, and you, you'd have, there'll be some baggage associated with it and you, you will perform and you would behave because you you're you're carrying around that memory of, of a past mistake or a past positive outcome and how you how you feel about that yeah and it's very <clears throat> interesting what you say there because we think it is telling us about who we are and it's only really telling us about who we are at one level mm. at the level of this avatar self it's yeah. not telling us about who we are at our true essence Therefore, it doesn't need to limit us. And there's many examples that people will have where the past hasn't limited them. And there's examples where it has. Now, if it was that the past always limited you, it would always limit you. But it doesn't. It only limits you if you have it in thought and consciousness in the moment. If you don't, it doesn't limit you. Mm. So, And that is very, very freeing for people to realize, not know as a mantra, but to realize that, as you say, it's yeah. very, very freeing. Yes. So the, the, the next question then, I mean, you, you kind of talked about this, you know, as far as your early memories as they, as they are now of where you are today, but, but 
just to connect everything for us, how how would you describe your journey to where you are today in your in your current? I mean, would you would you even call it a role as you, as as you do, or would you do you, you describe what you do as something beyond just being a, a role or a job? Um, well, I, I just I feel incredibly grateful that I've fallen in to do what I do. Um, I don't really see it as a job. I, I just get to talk to people about stuff that fascinates me and that seems to be valuable to people. So, I mean, it's, it is a job at one level in that people pay me for my services, but I, I feel so lucky that I've just synced into something that I absolutely see as a vocation and yeah, there's a knowing to it. So, so I love it. I mean, to give you just a nutshell on the, on the, the backstory of how I got here. So um, yeah, I was always fascinated by people. So I, I, I assumed I'd do psychology at university because I love people. But when I saw what psychology degree looked like, I thought, well, that's not really about people. That's about neurons and cutting the brain up. I don't want to do that. So mm. I actually did law, um, <clears throat> which was interesting, but a bit dry. So yeah. I didn't become a lawyer. Um, I was lucky enough to be at university to be sponsored by some uh, united distillers which is a drinks company um now diageo and i got into marketing and i loved marketing because it was all about people and brands so it's back to my people and consumer behavior yeah um so i did that for a few years uh, in fmcg i worked at walker's uh, snack foods uh, and mars confectionery um and then in about 2000 uh i moved into innovation for a bit so i focused on innovation for fmcg and the mm. consultancy in covent garden and then a couple of years into that, I just my passion for people got the better of me again. And coaching and NLP were coming into the UK back then. So we're talking about 22 years ago. And I decided to quit my job and to set myself up as a life coach. And I was I trained in coaching and NLP. Uh, and I was one of the sort of I, I got to the top of Google on page one really easily because no one else was really doing it. So this is <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah. And I worked with people using the modality of neuro-linguistic programming for anyone who, who hasn't heard of it as sort of positive psychology, conventional coaching, as I'd call it now. I did that for a few years just in the, with private clients. And then I went back into organizations doing coaching yeah. uh, and facilitation of leadership teams around innovation and strategy and stuff. Uh, formed a coach a co company called Making Change Work with a colleague, um, and I got a lot into also coaching um, leaders and training leaders into coaching skills, um, and training NLP, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then in about two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, I had a bit of an aha where one of my mentors pointed me in the direction of something different, which turned everything upside down. So it took it out of the psychological into the more before psychology into the we could even call it spiritual um and i was into something called the three principles mind thought and consciousness for a while um and then about five years ago that evolved into uh, what these are all technical names but sort of direct path non-duality which is a spiritual foundation but tying it to psychology tying it to psychology so mm. that it goes from the profound to the practical and what i do now is work with teams, leaders, and organizations to help them see something, realize something new about the nature of reality, the nature of consciousness, the nature of thought, the nature of what we are, that turns up really practically and every day into our psychology. So I'm bridging that sort of spiritual, psychological, um, sometimes seen as divide. Yeah. Um, and that creates beautiful transformations for people, um, really waking them up to see that. Uh, that's my role. And I work in lots of different contexts doing that within an organization. 
So, Ian, I don't know whether that's the right granularity of, of, uh, of journey or, yeah. or that there's bits of that that uh, you need to, me to uh, drill down on or, or whatever. No, uh, but you can, you can see that kind of that people curiosity really kind of cutting through all of that, can't you? Um, yeah. And, and there's, a, you know, there's a lot to be said for, you know, even in the marketing roles you're talking about there, you know, the, there's a lot of psychology and people learning within, within marketing that people, a lot of people don't realise that goes on in, in a marketing function. Yeah, and I think what was in, you bang on right. So I found people fascinating, whether that's from a marketing perspective or from a personal development perspective. Yeah. And I was always looking for what, what's the biggest leverage to help that change. And I used to think it was in the world of psychology, through tools and techniques and strategies. And, you know, I had buckets of those through NLP and, hey, do these five things or here's how to reprogram your mind or all that kind of stuff. And then as I've sort of evolved, I guess I've seen that the leverage point, the most powerful leverage point isn't within psychology. It's understanding something about the nature of what we are. So I, I find it very difficult not to share with clients the most powerful thing I see. So... Mm. My, my work has evolved as my own grounding has evolved. And I remember being in an NLP course, actually it was with a big, one of the big supermarkets and halfway through, I said to them, I need to tell you something else. Cause I don't really think that the NLP is the most powerful thing anymore. <laughs> this yeah, is like 2012 yeah. or something. And they went, what? You can't do that. <laughs> and I was like, well, I kind of can because I, I feel more congruent telling you what I think is really powerful. So it's moved the leverage point um, upstream, if you want to call it that. And to, to start with, people find it really odd and unconventional. Well, what are you talking about? What do you mean? You know, but after a while, they, 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 they resonate with it and, it and they have some light bulbs. And the light bulbs are the most powerful thing because yeah. it's not me equipping you with tools and techniques that you then have to maintain. It's, there's an aha. There's, there's, there's a, oh. And that then self-perpetuates into more curiosity and more inquiry that leads into, you know, and there's an effortlessness to how the change comes through. Mm. as flow state becomes more prevalent as yeah. old egoic conditioning drops away um you see a oneness you you see flow you, you sail more than row and everything in life and work becomes easier and and more more inspiring yes and and there's a couple of things that i remember from back then i may have misremembered them so <laughs> to our point it. earlier <laughs> yeah, exactly and i know you'll pick me up on it which is great so the, there was two things one thing was and I found myself doing this, it was really helpful for me, is, is going into a situation without any judgment. So whether it be meeting somebody either for the first time or, or for multiple times and just going into that situation without any prejudgment of this person is going to behave in this way. This person's a bit cantankerous. This person can get a little bit angry or, or whatever and, and pre-preparing yourself. And I always thought that was planning. That was sort of navigating through the conversation but but you know I, I tried this after and and just felt a lot easier in those conversations and and found the conversations got to a better place because you, you didn't judge them so that was the first memory of of, of, of what I've sort of picked up but the mm -hmm. second one and that certainly an aha moment for me was you know the the phrase that you would use which would be we are one thought away from happiness and one thought away from sadness mm -hmm. and, and how thought drives us one way or the other not not an event that happens external to us it's the thought of of what that event has, has made us feel 
Yeah. Well, I think both of your points are, are, are very valid because how often do we go in psychologically loaded to a situation thinking a person is a certain way? Yes. Um, now, when we go in with a more open mind, just to be in that moment, to be in that moment without the conceptual mind deciding what it thinks is going on, there's a beautiful openness and wisdom and connection that comes through which still allows you to respond in the moment mm. to what that person is saying it doesn't make you a doormat or whatever but it, it's well one it you know you don't have to prepare so much you know um about the human connection side anyway you might want facts and figures if you're going to tell them some of those things but in terms mm. of the human connection side we are already one thing you see so we don't need to do connection connection is what's there when the self isn't Right, because we are one, which is why little kids can just go and stare at someone on the bus and get a sense of connection. Right. So connection is there when we don't do anything psychologically. So going in to try and psychologically connect doesn't make any sense. Now, I didn't know that 10 years, 10 years ago. I was pointing the opposite. So that point makes sense. And then you're right. So whether we are happy or sad will depend on what the 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 activity of the mind is doing in that moment through the thoughts it's having or whatever. Now, again, if people start to get curious about flow state or bliss state, they'll see that they can have happiness for no reason at all. And that again is when the self mind isn't there, right? Mm. So in the absence of the, the mind busying itself up, we tend to have this okayness. And actually one of the really interesting nuances is because I, in um, sort of NLP world, I used to be into positive, psych positive psychology, which would be tell yourself to have a happy thought. Okay. Right? So rather than have a negative thought, tell yourself to have a happy thought and do the mantra or do the meditation to get the happy thought. Mm. Now where I see it is actually we don't even need to do that because that is reverse engineering something that's already there. Mm. Right? Two-year-olds don't tell themselves to have a happy thought. Right? Okay. Happiness is just there at the default. So rather than choosing your thoughts to have the right ones, which is a kind of positive thinking mantra, it's more just recognizing what we are and happiness is the default. And it's, it's more of a well-being than a happiness, if you see what I mean. It's just a contentment, a peace. Yeah. But, it's, but your point is, the very valid point is, it's not the outside world determining that. It's not our events, circumstances, past, other people. That has no direct causal power on our well-being. It may appear to, it may mm. appear to when yeah. the mind is creating that narrative, but it never, ever does. Yes. And I'm and thinking then of adding all of this stuff together. No doubt there's been lots of life lessons that, that you would have shared and you would have got some benefit from. But is there is there one that you kind of always sticks with you that you kind of think is, is one of the, the key sort of cornerstones for you? one oh i mean i think the, the the one is 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 the big one and, and i'll try and say it in a couple of different ways because it might make no sense but we're not we are not what we think we are and life is not what we think it is okay. so i use the word appear so what we appear to be internally the peers or the ian and what life appears to be on the outside the trees and the people is not really what it is now i'm not saying we're in some kind of matrix you know simulation here it's not quite what i mean yeah what i mean is the idea that there's a me that perceives this outside world is a hoodwink 
okay. that science has told us for 300 years is the case. Yeah. Now, wh why is this useful to know? Because when we wake up to the fact that what we are is an activity of consciousness, if you want to call it that, right? And there's a coming and going of this me that looks like it's in control. There's a beautiful essence to, to, to see, to dissolve into what we are, which is just made of, this is going to sound trite, but it's just made of love and flow and emergence mm -hmm. and, and abundance. That's there. Now, by the nature of what we are in our learnt minds, in our conceptual minds, that will contract down and look like a horrible world sometimes or a horrible me sometimes. Mm, yeah. But it's knowing not to take that as true and, and permanent and causal and just seeing that as an in-the-moment contraction of what we are rather than what we truly are. Yes. That is the biggest life lesson. Now, it's, it's quite a massive thing to try and explain in a, in a, in a soundbite <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> i don't know if you've got the essence of it Ian. yeah no I, it, that that feels like almost a whole podcast for itself actually because it, as you say it's such a big thing to explain um and, and for people to get their heads around so well, i tell you what let me let me give some soundbites off it and then yeah. reverse back into that so one thing i would say to try and get people's attention is i would say that we're all addicts right now oh is, is that is that to alcohol or or, or cigarettes or to um profiteroles or donuts or to gambling no thinking okay right so what do you mean thinking isn't thinking good is well I, i've got to have thoughts i've got to know where to go to buy the bananas from from sainsbury's yeah, or yeah, from yeah, yeah. aldi or isn't it useful at work to think about my strategic plan that kind of thinking coming through the system as a utilitarian process of being human is useful. Mm. But we do so much thinking about what we are and life and the future and the past. Not helpful. Mm. But that addiction we've got that we think we need to think our way through gets yeah. in our way. I mean, kids yeah. at school are taught they have my, my kids have critical thinking skills. Now, at one level, that's useful. But then we accidentally make that all about us. Right. So yeah. one of my big life lessons I could say at a more practical level is we need to see that we're not the thinking being we think we are. Yes. And these things blow my mind, Piers. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be blowing lots of other people's minds as well. So I think I think we should certainly explore this in, in more detail. So let's let's get back to, to you and your your life story for the moment. We yeah because we, we could absolutely get lost in, in, in this one. So thinking about you as a leader then, do you, do you have a, a daily routine? Is there a routine for you or are you in the flow, in the moment at all times? Or does that even, have I, have I oversimplified that to mean that you can't have a routine? Um, I do, if, if you looked at me from the outside, you think, well, that's quite a routine. Mm -hmm. um there are certain things that consistently happen yeah i don't try and do them in a routine way uh yeah. and, and my days are different because you know i sometimes like yesterday i was in london so it's a slightly different day to today but there are some things that will be consistent for me now where uh, where so my routine would have i like to have space in my day uh i don't like having back to back 
I, I can, it's okay, but I prefer space. Um, cause I think that's so valuable to just, just to get present and, and, you know, be able to have that spaciousness of mind. Now I've, I, I am much better be able to do that during meetings now. So I can do back to back. It's not a problem, but I just prefer it. Mm. Right. And I like to get some fresh air and I like to get some exercise. So my level of self care has gone up than when I was younger. Okay. Um, yeah. Definitely compared to what I see some people do. Um, I, I find I prefer being present more so I, I sometimes struggle when I've got uh like my kids will both talk to me at the same time <laughs> yeah and I think I don't think that was a problem for me before mm. but now I'm like well I want to have spaciousness and presence to just have that conversation it's because I'm lucky that I get to spend most of my day having quite deep conversations yeah so when people are having sort of lots of conversations around me I'm like no mm, I want to have one conversation in a proper way mm. so I've got a bit precious about that sometimes um, and, and I suppose I have a, I think the biggest thing I would say simplicity. So the COVID didn't really bother me in terms of what I couldn't do yeah. because I now compared to decades before seem to find a lot of juice from the simple. Mm. So just going from a walk, you know, I've done the walk a hundred times. It's just lovely. Mm. Um, I don't need to go and do something exciting. Yeah. Uh, you could call me boring, but I get a lot of juice from simplicity. Yeah, yes. But again, that's that's somebody else's view looking from the outside in, isn't it? Rather yeah. than you're experiencing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, being restricted or not being able to go to the pub doesn't... I mean, I like going to meet friends and have a chat, but it didn't bother me when we couldn't do it. Mm. I like the slow pace. Yeah. You know, I, I enjoy that. Okay. It's just because there's more, you don't, I don't need all the, the wasmatas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, I think then thinking on then, so obviously a, a lot of what we talk about and a lot of the big topics that we talk about right now is, is about bias, whether that be sort of gender bias or racial bias or bias in, in some way, whether it be conscious or unconscious. Um I'm really interested in, in, in your views on this as to whether a, you know, bias is a good thing or a bad thing, or indeed whether, whether we'll see bias removed or whether, whether bias is, is, is a, something that we, we need, but we need to be aware of. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, it's a feature of the human condition that we, live in separate realities in apparent separate reality it's impossible i would say to have exactly the same thoughts as another piece of consciousness another person yeah right so the fact that we're all going to see the life exactly the same is is is, is not the case right yeah. so we're bound to have difference is that a good thing or a bad thing completely depends what your thought tells you about that right so do i love talking to someone who has a different view on um whether asparagus is nice in a risotto or not yeah. Right. What is different between deciding whether asparagus is nice in the risotto or deciding whether um, people of a certain color or creed or gender or whatever should be allowed in a certain mm. situation. The yeah. difference is the amount of attachment the self puts to that. Cause at one level, they're the same, you know, they're just a difference in manifestation of thought. 
mm-hmm. the difference comes when we attach meaning and narrative to it. Yes. Right. That's where the difference comes. Is there right and wrong in that? No. No, because that again would be a judgment. So me saying you're wrong to be different or right to be different is my judgment. Yes. Now, let's the question: What is it inevitable? It's it will play out in ways that are unhelpful when the ego gets attached to their view on it mm. and starts to see um, scarcity and separation. Yeah. Right. When we, and this is one of the lovely consequences and implications of seeing the, the principles behind quality of mind, we start to see that we are the same as everything else. We are, we are one consciousness. We are one. And, and the me, the in or the peers is an activity of that one. It's, it's like there's, to borrow a metaphor from Bernardo Kastrup, we're like whirlpools in, in water, right? We're all made of the same water, but we, yeah. but we manifest into, vibrate into different, whirlpools but we are all the same and when we see that the differences that we manifest in our whirlpool in our avatars matter not not a jot to us mm, yeah yes right and again i always point to as you might remember it i always point to little kids does a little two-year-old kid give a two hoots about the color size disability gender of the no yeah they I remember my daughter once saying to me, and this sticks in my mind, she was about four and something came up in the news or about racism. And she said, what is racism? And I explained it to her. She said, no, I think you've got that wrong. (laughs) I don't think that would be the case. She said, I don't think we would do that. Discriminate because someone's a different color. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that four-year-old just going, no, that doesn't make sense. Right. That's great. So, and and it's just so wonderful i think that when that we we can we're in a contracted mind when we're looking separate and and dual to the whole world it looks like something different can come and get us right yeah. in an expanded mind in, in in when we are more seeing that we are all one consciousness it doesn't matter at all and actually we might even have an insight to try and level up and trying to make the people that don't see it like that see it differently but we're not doing that because they're wrong and we're right it's just a high aperture, high quality of mind activism rather than a protesty, you're wrong, we're right. Yes. Yeah. Now that's a long answer, and I may have been super confusing there. So do pick me up on it. Yeah, no, I I, I, I but I, I think the 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 end of the way you brought it together there is really helpful as far as you know, a lot of this is it's it's part of the human condition, but equally how you react is very much about your your state of mind, whether you're open or closed. Um, and it's very easy to get closed around topics that you feel very personal about. Um, and, and, and to kind of, you've applied that seriousness, that importance to that topic. And therefore, sometimes you can drill right down and be lost to the opportunity, I suppose, of looking at, at other things. Yeah, the the, the degree to which we self-identify with the situation, the what's going on, will will be more attached to it. Mm. So, if if the ego, because the the self-ego is either seeking or protecting, right? Mm. It's trying to get somewhere, or it's trying to protect itself. And if it sees 
a threat, what it perceives as a threat coming from people it doesn't understand, then it will hold its own, entrench its own view, right? Now, if we can see that that, that ego seeking protecting is not us, right? That's just an activity of the mind, you know, from a low aperture. We can see that we are more than that and that we are, there is an abundance of love and love, love and spaciousness and connection, right? And it doesn't matter who the other avatars in, in the world are, right? They are the same as us. We, it naturally then just emerges through us to have sort of fairness and whatever. Mm. Now, given the human condition isn't always there, right? We know that we're not all enlightened. We are going to have bumps where people fight and they see separation. And that we need to be okay with that too, mm. right? Not okay to condone it and we think, yes, it's fine, but just to go, okay, that's what happens. But then to see the nature of it, right? And to catch on to what we are. And this is the hoodwinking, you know, we're all addicted to thinking and not realizing it. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of what people who were, you would say were very well meaning in their protesting and activism are perpetuating the problem. Okay. Because they're going, we're right, you're wrong. Mm. And that doesn't help. Yeah. Yes, I see your point. It really doesn't help. It, it doesn't. I think you're right. So, so bringing this all together in beers. <clears throat> um, and the way I like to end these podcasts is, you know, where where next for you in your life? Or, or do you even have that sort of thinking, thought, planning? Um. No, if you'd asked me that 20 years ago, I would have given you a plan and a, you know, a five-year plan with, you know, values and goals. Uh, no, to, to me, life is now breadcrumbs. So I go what looks right, what feels right. Um, I, I feel very congruent with my current vocation path. I, it keeps evolving. So I've gone, you know, from the three principles that you and I talked about to, you know, it, it keeps evolving, but I, I'm assuming it'll be in that direction. But what that looks like or means I just go with what emerges. Yes. Um, which is lovely. Uh, and there'll be some things that you kind of flirt with and come out and don't work or do. And, but there's no set plan, but I, I guess if I had to get the direction will be what else can I see about the nature of what we are? Cause that's my curiosity. So, you know, yeah, I would listen to a podcast <clears throat> a day on that. You know, I just can't help myself. Yeah. And I love the conversation I'm in and it just feels like I'm, there's a flow to it. So I can't quite tell you the form of that, but that mm. would be the direction. And yeah. that's beautiful. Not needing to know. I think the unknown is way more powerful than the known. I used mm. to think the known was important. I thought, used to think yeah. knowing and certainty were important. Now, no way. I would put not knowing is beautiful. Yes. Because that's infinite. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that would resonate with a lot of people listening to this. But equally, I think... Um, we need to come back to some of the other things we talked about to help help those people that like the known and like the plan and like the thinking and are unconvinced after listening to what you've had to say today. I think we need to come back to that um, to, to get into that in a bit more in, in a bit more detail, actually. So for now, that's been, you know, thoroughly sort of um, informative, challenging um inspirational and um I, I guess above everything else it's kind of left me with lots of things to consider actually um as to what what i do so i've got a meeting 
following this? How do I, how do I judge that? Um, am I judging it too much? Am I planning too much? And, and again, it's kind of, it's revitalizing a lot of the things we, we talked about a couple of years ago, actually. So that's really well, helpful for me. That's great to hear. And, and, and I'll, I'll give you the, the, the 20 second little nudge tip, which would be, you know, you said, how do I judge that meeting? Well, remember that our sensations, our feelings are only ever telling us one thing. They're telling us about our aperture in the moment. They're not telling us about the meeting, the world, mm. the past, the future. So how do I judge what's going on in that meeting? You just get a sense of the sensation that you're in, the feeling that you're in, and the clearer and lighter and more obvious and unshackled that feels in, in the body, in, in, in the space that we are, that gives you a clue, the obviousness that will come for you on that, right? If it starts feeling more icky, tighter, more icky, more anxious, that's the sensation is going back off your thinking right now, right? Yeah. So that's just a little practical thing there. Yeah, um, yeah. I, hopefully for, for listeners, this might have been a bit of a, some food for thought, maybe a little teaser to listen a bit more if mm. we were to do another episode to dive into this in. I, I'd love to. I realize some of the stuff I say can sound ridiculous sometimes. So um, always love to be challenged on it. And, you know, uh, but if people have a little resonance behind, even if they don't quite understand it, there's usually something they might, oh, what is that? Even they can't mm. quite articulate it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a little bit of you sensing that there's something in this. Yes, I agree. That, that needs to get exploring before thought. So, yeah. <clears throat> I hope it's been a bit interesting for people. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. Um, so, so for uh, our listeners, and as always, thank you for choosing to listen to What in the Future. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please hit subscribe and, and tell others about us. And, and finally, obviously, you know, Future Leaders mentoring means that mentoring to us is hugely valuable. And we see it as a, a valuable step on the leadership journey. Uh, we're here to, to help make a difference. Um, so if you feel the same way and you want to get involved, then please tap the join us button on our webpage, which is www.futureleadersmentoring.com and follow us on LinkedIn where you can jump into some of the discussions and some of the conversations that we have with other leaders on a day-to-day basis. So for now, um, goodbye, Piers, and we will speak again soon. Ian, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and look forward to hearing from anyone. Thank you, Piers.